Over the past two episodes, we've been telling you all about the rise to power of the Corsican immigrant turned French general turned French emperor known as Napoleon. Between becoming a super rich monarch, having sex with every pretty young thing he desired, and winning practically every battle he fought in, Napoleon seemed to have it made in the shade. But in this week's episode of HPH, it all comes crashing down, and we can't wait to tell you all about it. So grab your drinks and settle in for the shocking, epic, series conclusion that is this episode of Hunter Proof History titled Napoleon Bonaparte, Part 3, Everything Falls Apart. This is Hundred Proof History. We're drinking whiskey and talking history. So, grab a drink, sit back, relax, and enjoy a few laughs as the guys talk about all the horrible things people do to each other. Here are your hosts, Chris and Greg. Listener, what up? What are you up to? Oh, me? Just chilling. Chris, also chilling. Yep. Isn't that right, Chris? Yes, thank you for telling him what I'm doing. Thanks. Yes, thank you. You're very welcome. Welcome in, humans. It is the finale to Napoleon Bonaparte. Pretty exciting stuff. Pretty crazy stuff's going to happen in the last few years of his life. You know, I'm I'm looking forward to telling you people, but I think it's going to be really fun. Things has been really good. It's just, I mean, how could you expect anything other than crazy? You have right. to think of... Think of this in terms of the French Revolution, mm-hmm. and then, you know, 10 years later, they're already putting in another monarch to replace the monarch that they... Really? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you come know, off. They're a fickle bunch, you know. They probably took some, like, convincing. Like, they probably had to do something to just sell the idea, I'm sure. Well, you know, campaign ads, they're like propaganda. No, yeah. I didn't even know they had them back then. Yeah, that's cool. Well, another 100 Proof History exclusive. I have obtained a Napoleon campaign ad. My God. From 1802. My God, you were an impressive man. Dude. I know, right? (laughs) That's what I tell myself in the mirror every morning. (laughs) As I just wipe the tear away from my cheek. Yeah. Wipe the mascara away (laughs) (laughs) mid-afternoon. Boozy tears in the evening. Your wife's boyfriend screams at you, says, get out of there, I need to use the crapper. You're like, oh, sir. <laughs> yes, sir, I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, but would you like to hear it, Chris? I know for a fact that the listener is yearning to hear it. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, all right, let's... let's okay. So, yeah. okay. <laughs> we need a great man to lead us into glory. We cast down the monarchy during our revolution and have taken amazing strides to greatness. The monarchy was a stain on our country. Free Frenchmen must never again be beholden to a monarch. That's why we need to elect Napoleon Bonaparte as our new... <clears throat> our new monarch. <laughs> but this time, instead of a king, he'll be even more powerful as emperor, which will keep all of those other pesky monarchs at bay. Are you tired of the oppressive thumb of the Austrians? Napoleon! Sick of the snooty attitude of the English? Napoleon! Want your wife to fuck dudes behind your back? Napoleon! <laughs> they canceled Christmas. They stole Easter. Napoleon wants to take them back. Will you join in our crusade? Who will be strong and stand with me? Beyond the barricade, is there a world you long to see? Then join in the fight that will give you the right to be free. 
Kind of. Yes, that song <laughs> lyrics from the Les Miserables musical, which wouldn't exist without Napoleon. <laughs> this ad brought to you by Cucks for a Freeish France. I'm Napoleon, and I approve of this message. Except that cuck part. What, what was that? Napoleon. <laughs> there you have it. Man. I think the most amazing part of that is they did it in English for some reason. What they were thinking. That probably wasn't well, very I'd, effective. I think that was probably the whole, uh, they were wanting to conquer all of Europe. Mm. And put them under the, the French flag. Yeah, yeah. Okay, I get you. Which, I'm jokes you. aside, that was a big part of the French Revolution. And that's why Napoleon was so popular. Because he wanted to unite Europe as freed people under one flag. Yeah, so. yeah and that's why everybody fought him. In all these wars, because they were all monarchs and they didn't want the ideals of the French Revolution spreading throughout Europe. And of course, uh, that is correct. We'll see if he succeeded. We'll find out if he conquered Europe today. We're going to see if that happens. Uh, Of course, we're going to tell you that stuff, but we learned it ourselves from our main sources. My book was Napoleon Alive by Andrew Roberts. And then Greg did his thing, I guess. Something. Again, the creatively named Napoleon by J. Christopher Harold. I'm going to go ahead and give my official book review here. I enjoyed this book. It's very thorough. Kind of reminds me of a Ron Chernow piece where you're like, okay, I know everything about this guy's life. Um, the only thing I didn't like is there are times where he goes out of his way to defend Napoleon, where Napoleon doesn't need defending. And there's times where he uses uh, hindsight to judge Napoleon's uh, thoughts on the battlefield. And, yeah, man, you just can't do that stuff. It didn't, it doesn't work because, you know, he didn't know the stuff you know now. So, but other than that, fantastic book. Would recommend it. Uh, I would also recommend mine. It doesn't get as into the minutiae as yours does. I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Covering a, a topic kind of broadly like we do. So I was pleased with that, but there's a couple stories that you shared with me that are just fucking hilarious that I kind of wish I would have. Heard a different source on, but, you know, it yeah. kept the read time down. <laughs> I'm good with that. And, you know, as always, if you are a listener and you find out some interesting fact about Napoleon we didn't cover, well, we probably know it. We just didn't have the time to put it in here, but we'll talk about it with you. We love interacting with you idiots uh, and feeling superior about ourselves. So hit us up. Or, you know, maybe think twice. <laughs> like, oh, I might know this and... Yeah. uh Use creative control just to keep the episode linked down. <laughs> yeah, you come, come the king, you better not miss. That's all I'm saying. <clears throat> Greg's the king. I don't know anything. Don't ask me questions, yeah, please. Thank you for speaking for me, royal jester. <laughs> all right. Well, we got a long way to go. But not too long. Just just right amount of time, listener. Yeah. Yeah. Don't okay. Worry. Yeah, yes. Yes. Whew, saved it. They're about to punch out. Like, oh, no, not doing it. I can't tell how long the episode is by looking at the podcast app. (laughs) Good point. All right. But let's get into the story, Greg. What say you? Yay. (laughs) That means yes. When we last left you, Napoleon Bonaparte had risen to emperor of France and had defeated Austria for the third time in his military career. And he then went on to humble the Prussians and the Russians at Jena, which is in modern day Germany. Following that victory, the Russians and the P-Russians agreed to a peace treaty, which put the majority of Prussia under the control of the French Empire. Napoleon would later say that this time was the happiest of his life. As we said in the end of the last episode. And it's the first point we're making, so (laughs) yeah, strap in, it's going downhill. Here we go. 
Hell yeah. I love seeing someone else suffer. It makes me feel so good about my own life. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that misery loves company, doesn't it? Oh, we do. We we absolutely do. Invite people over. Show my poor house and all the crappy belongings in it. And talk about how everything's secondhand. Like, oh, you like, you like that couch? I found it on the side of the highway. There was a dog living in it. That dog died. And they're like, oh, At God. some point before I picked it up, I don't know. <laughs> it was just going to end there. Yeah, it took a lot of... A lot of elbow grease to get all the bits of them out of there. I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. It, I got all of it. <laughs> it was um, not a natural death. Obviously, no. a homeless person had chopped him up in a crazy fit of rage and then yeah. stuffed him inside of one of the cushions. It's not like he was just burrowing in there and starved to death or something. Yeah, no, uh, no, no, no. <laughs> so, anyways, thanks for coming to my birthday party, guys. Um, <laughs> you can tell it's been kind of a rough year, but uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, 2020 was hard on everybody. <laughs> well, now in our story, we're up to late 1807, and Napoleon is finally returning home to Paris, where he is going to live it up while keeping it modest for appearances. You know, smart, like a politician. Don't, you don't want everybody to know how loaded you are. Uh, kidding. Just kidding. Uh, he and Josephine bought 39 palaces, several of which Napoleon would never actually set foot in. Fucking Chip and Joe looking asses. You know what I'm talking about? Hell yeah. These assholes. They also had a bestiary containing kangaroos, emus, gazelles, ostriches, llamas, and a cockatoo that could only say Bonaparte. Because French is hard. It's hard to teach a bird French. And they can't do the the weird R thing they do where it doesn't sound like an R. Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. How do you spell that? I'm, I'm lost. The cockatoo tried it, and they thought it was having a stroke, so they just like threw it out the window, and you know, it flew away. Be free. <laughs> and whenever Napoleon felt like hunting, he'd open his study window and blast away at the nearby birds. Josephine had to beg him not to kill her swans. I mean, there weren't video games back then, right? You know. Sometimes you want to play Big Buck Hunter, <laughs> but you can't. You don't have the fucking or the arcade. You start shooting neighborhood animals. I mean, yeah, that's true. Unapologetically, by the way, listener, <laughs> don't do not hit me up in the comments. <laughs> you know, real talk. Sometimes we'll be sitting outside, you know, with my wife, like out back and watching the dog run around in circles like an idiot, and I think this is what they had for Netflix in, like, the 1800s. Just, like, this was the entertainment. It was like, honey, uh, do you want to watch a dog today? Like, no, uh, we watched the dog yesterday. Can we do something? <laughs> What's the cat up to? Let's change that channel. Uh, but, yeah, no, I should bring a gun outside. That would liven things up. Thank you, Greg. That's a helpful <laughs> tip. welcome. <laughs> and on that aside, little known fact, although he was a general, Napoleon was a pretty god-awful shot. He never held his gun properly, and it would leave massive bruises on his arms when he fired it. One time, it took him seven shots to kill a cornered deer. <laughs> it's a musket. You gotta reload it after every shot. So, imagine how agonizing that was for the guy. Thinks you're sitting there shitting himself. <laughs> Just let me die, please! Let me die! You're so bad at this! It did that thing gaz gazelles do in like a lion catches him and it just stopped moving it's just like Fuck it, I'm, I'm dead they don't yeah. even fight back anymore <laughs> he's just doing that and he's still missing 
like his servants like over there feeding it barbiturates so it'll just go to sleep to make the shot easier like oh he's he knows he's in the presence of royalty your highness (laughs) you will make his death a noble one like all right let me try this shit again ramrod (laughs) boom but in reality most of this opulence was actually for the benefit of josephine napoleon still worked all day and night in fact, the kitchen staff had to roast dozens of chickens a day so one would be ready whenever he was willing to take a break from work to actually eat. And he wasn't exactly a gourmand. He ate whatever was given to him and would have been just fine eating bowls of macaroni. Just that kid playing Call of Duty and you hear him scream, Mom, I want my chicken tendies! And she rushes up the stairs and gives it to him. Fucking fat Napoleon, piece of shit, living the dream. I spent about a year eating uh, pizza rolls and playing Call of Duty, I'm not going to lie. Yeah. It was a life, wasn't it? You miss it. It was pretty badass. <laughs> if I did that now, I would be like 800 pounds. <laughs> then, still a cool 155. Nice. Adulthood fucking sucks. <laughs> it really sucks when I am playing Call of Duty and I start screaming about telling my wife to bring me some, some pizza rolls or chicken tendies. And all the eight-year-olds can say, get it your own damn self. Stop fucking talking to me. I'm like, gosh, Jesus. She has to embarrass me in front of the eight-year-olds. They're like, watch this shit. Mom, give me a sandwich. Yes, dear. Like, oh, yeah, you're such a bitch. I'm like, I am a bitch. <laughs> and it doesn't help they're better at the game than me now. Their couches don't have chewed up dead dogs in it. You know, just... I want to be eight again. Is that all the dog was dismembered? It was chewed up? <laughs> Jesus, this gets worse and worse. Napoleon was still working so hard because he needed a way to hurt Britain, who had been at war with Napoleon basically the whole time he had been in France, but he had never actually faced them on a battlefield. Instead, their war had been mostly economic, and Napoleon's weapon of choice had been the Continental System, which prevented French allies from doing business with England in any way. Portugal had been allowing the Brits to smuggle goods through their ports, so they had to pay. In blood. Not with money. Sorry. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) For clearing that up. Mm -hmm. Napoleon stayed in Paris, but he had his generals march into Spain towards Portugal in early 1808. Napoleon had worked out a somewhat confusing backroom deal with the monarchy in Spain. Following a riot... Spanish King Charles IV abdicated his throne to his son Ferdinand. Now, Ferdinand needed Napoleon's help to quell the uprising in his country, so Napoleon convinced Ferdinand to give the throne back to Charles, who would then give the throne to Napoleon, who would then give it to his brother Joseph. It was a really fucked up thing. (laughs) Charles and Ferdinand uh, did not get along. No, they hated each other, yeah. And he pretends to back one, meanwhile, like, lures him into the country... Lures Ferdinand into the country. He's like, no, bitch. <laughs> Charles is thrown. He's like, fuck. No. And, uh, yeah, it's just a really weird dynamic where uh, everybody kind of got fucked except Napoleon. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of like, you know, they say, like, people, like, you know, assholes, they beat their spouses because they can't control their own life. You know, they have feel like they have some control. He gets cucked so hard that he's like, I need to cuck somebody else. Oh, Ferdinand, what are you doing right there? Oh, actually, I'm in love with your father. Like, no! No! (laughs) Son of a bitch! God damn you. (laughs) Well, all that fuckery went according to plan, 
But over the next seven years, Spain and Portugal became a massive pain in Napoleon's ass. The people rioted against the French and started a guerrilla war. Napoleon's generals fought and lost multiple battles against the Brits in Portugal. Long story short, nothing good would come for Napoleon of what was known as the Peninsular War, and he would do nothing but continue to feed money and troops into what he would later describe as an ulcer. And this is actually the first usage of the term guerrilla war. Did not know that. Mm-hmm. Very uh, more you know moment. Thank you, Greg. You're very welcome. Meanwhile, the Austrians began to mobilize their forces again, and the continental system was causing more problems with Napoleon's allies. Tsar Alexander of Russia was sick of that shit and wanted to renegotiate his deal. Alexander and Napoleon met, and very little was accomplished except Napoleon's friend, quote-unquote, Charles Talleyrand, sold a whole bunch of state secrets to the Austrians and Russians. Also Charles, but whatever. (laughs) Chuck Talleyrand, okay? (laughs) Britain kept funneling money into Austria, which once again allowed them to declare war on the French. In the four and a half years since the two armies had met at Austerlitz, the Austrian military commander, Archduke Charles, I guess, is it still Charles in Austria? Yes. Okay. Had seriously rebuilt and reformed his army. They had been intensely trained and reorganized into the same core system that Napoleon had designed and previously used to spank their asses. A whip crack! That's a whip sound. Yeah, that's what the sound is. A whip crack! A whip crack! Not a whip chow! A whip chow! No, a whip crack. (laughs) Fucking idiot. God. Napoleon called up a class of conscripts and swelled his own ranks to 230,000 men. At the same time, he was finding out that most of the people he considered to be friends were actually shitheads. Charles Talleyrand sold even more secrets to the Austrians and then attempted to have Joseph Bonaparte overthrown in Spain. Napoleon kicked Talleyrand, damn it. <laughs> Napoleon kicked Talleyrand out of his cabinet, but didn't punish him any further. He was offended deeply when Napoleon called him a shit in silk stockings. Like that just broke him. And you know what? What happened to men? What happened to real goddamn men who wore silk stockings and, you know, little shorts where you can display your legs, nice, heavy coats everywhere? What happened to us? You go to the airport and these motherfuckers wearing flip-flops and basketball shorts. It's like, you sons of bitches, what happened to your class? (laughs) Across the continent, Tsar Alexander said he'd send 70,000 men to help Napoleon against Austria but mobilized them so slowly that they'd end up missing most of the upcoming fight and would suffer only two casualties throughout the entire campaign. That is very few casualties. Yeah, what happened to those guys? Fucking Mr. (laughs) Obvious over here, I know, but like... (laughs) Yeah. You got a sprained ankle and a stroke. (laughs) Oh, fucking Russians. They take their time, man. They, They never get anywhere fast. The French and the Austrians met near the village of Aspern on May 21st, 1809. Some place warm, a place where the <laughs> beer flows like wine, where the beautiful women instinctively flock like the salmon of Capistrano. <laughs> I'm talking about a little place called Aspern. <laughs> I don't know, Lloyd, the French are such assholes. Hey. <laughs> It works. Dumb and dumber joke. 
for all you uh, dumb and dumber listeners. Got him. You fall into one of those two categories, I know. Yeah, if you've made so. it this far in the episode, yes. Absolutely. <laughs> the French were crossing the Danube River, which was flooded and moving quickly, and Napoleon's scouts hadn't noticed the absolutely massive Austrian army on the other side. Napoleon's army was backed up to the river and had a disadvantage in both men and guns, but he and his generals were convinced they could beat the piss out of the Austrians. After all, they'd done it so many fucking times before. Yeah, all right. They didn't realize that in between the last fight, he was doing his training montage. You know, Archduke Charles, he's like mm-hmm. lifting rocks. He's got a picture of Napoleon on his mirror, and he just fucking mean mugs it every day. Well, he tells him, I'm an impressive man. I'm an impressive man. Doing just- sit-ups from the fucking rafter of a barn yeah. in Siberia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, he's so oiled, despite it being so cold outside. <laughs> yeah. His shirt is off. Somehow manages to run up an entire goddamn mountain that's covered in snow and you know, just ice. And he just stands on top and goes, Napoleon! He's going to fucking get him, dude. Napoleon had no idea that any of that was happening. Mm-mm. He was in his state-of-the-art training facility. He's getting roided up, expecting just an easy win. No problem. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to whoop this dude's ass again. I'm going <laughs> to kill him like I killed his fucking friend. Yep. No big deal. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, that all that happened, all historically accurate. And then the Austrians and French went into battle, and the battle lasted for two days. By the second day, the French force had swelled to 66,000 men, but that was still no match for the nearly 100,000 troops on the Austrian side. The Austrians also had upwards of 200 artillery pieces, which was the largest artillery battery ever seen up to that point in history. Both sides would end up losing around 24,000 men. But of course, that was a bigger loss for Napoleon, and he was forced to retreat. It was the first time he had lost a battle in over 10 years. Gravitas voice. I don't know why I went into that voice, but that's fine. Napoleon realized Tsar Alexander was going to be tits useless. I can say that. It's a, it's a phrase about tits on a boar hog. It's not about women. So, save your emails. Especially if you have the fake boobs, because your tits are also useless. They, they block milk. That's what I've learned. Just now, from Greg. Possibly. <laughs> Technology might have come away since I got mine installed, so... Yeah. yeah. Don't necessarily listen to me, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm sorry, Greg, for making you feel like your tits are useless. Because those are nice. They're nice. They really are. They make you look ten years younger. They give me a lot of attention. Okay, Chris, <laughs> they're not useless no matter what. It might not be milk-producing... Ooh, no big deal. It's not like I'm getting butt pregnant, okay? Moving on. <laughs> well, Napoleon called for more troops and guns to come from France. He tripled the size of his army and recrossed the Danube in a single night. As soon as they crossed, they turned him at the Austrian forces near Wagram on July 5th. Over the next two days, the armies clashed, with most of Napoleon's men five, 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 slow down, stupid. fucking each other. <laughs> it's a tactic It's psyops <laughs> Those guys are fucking crazy man Look at them <laughs> None of them are wearing a condom They don't even What are they doing <laughs> <laughs> They're gonna get butt pregnant <laughs> Jesus And their fake tits don't even produce milk <laughs> Their babies are gonna starve Oh <laughs> uh. <laughs> 
Note, Napoleon's men had been fighting for nearly 40 straight hours. In the end, the French won and the Austrians had to retreat, but it was a costly battle and Napoleon's casualties actually outnumbered those of the Austrians. And for reference, this is about six weeks after his first attempt at crossing the Danube. Also, little known fact, by the time the second day of the battle rolled around, Napoleon had been in the saddle for about 60 hours straight. So he decided it was time to take a little little me time, a little mid-battle nap, if you will. (laughs) Somehow he was able to sleep during a battle in which 700 cannons were being fired. And he napped at his headquarters, which was far from safe. 26 of his staff officers would be killed or wounded on the second day of the battle. Can't imagine sleeping through that. Maybe he's doing what I do, or I, I pretend to sleep so my wife will stop yelling at me. Stop screaming. It's, you know? <laughs> I tried doing the same thing at work. They did not appreciate it. In the mil- middle of that meeting with HR, I just fell asleep, you know, closed my eyes and started fake snoring. They, uh, what is this they, dude, a fainting fucking goat? You just <laughs> fell on the floor. <laughs> <laughs> They, they took it as a sign of disrespect, you know, like what I was, they were saying wasn't important, you know. Uh, so, you know, I got fired and it was my birthday and I had people coming over that day and I'm like, oh, oh, I can't wait to tell the guys what happened today as they sit on my, my stinky couch and, you know, we all eat bread sandwiches because I, I forgot to go get stuff for the party and now I can't afford it. And, you know, it's... Have a seat, your guest is like, oh, God. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> uh, I, no, don't worry. It's, there was a dismembered dog in this couch <laughs> when I bought it. I, there still is, but there was when I bought it. So <laughs> it's not me. I don't want you thinking that was something that I did. <laughs> Have you seen my new Napoleon book? <laughs> Look how thick it is. I'm learned. <laughs> I'm so smart. What do you do for a living, anyway? Uh, funny story. I, uh, I, I host a podcast, and they're like, oh, shit. You know, it's time to go. Um, <laughs> the couch, the bread sandwiches, you complaining about every aspect of your life, that was fine. But God damn it, I don't need to hear about your podcast. Please. <laughs> Please. Not again. <laughs> anyway, on July 10th, 1809, Austria agreed to an armistice. The Austrians were still hopeful that the Brits could land in Holland and keep their war going, but that invasion failed, and so the Austrian Emperor Francis had to seek a full peace treaty. Napoleon wouldn't see another battle for three years, which was fine because he was going to have lots of different miniature wars to fight at home. First, he pissed off the Catholics by arresting the Pope and seizing the papal territories because the Pope refused to stop trade with England. In response, Napoleon was officially excommunicated from the Catholic Church, which he didn't give one shit about. We told you in the first episode, he kind of gave up on the idea of religion. And he would basically, wherever he was, he would say, I believe in that religion. So when he's in Egypt, he says, man, the Muslims got this stuff figured out. Go down to Italy, he's like, you Catholics, you guys are smart. But then he'd you know, hang out with his wife and he'd be like, can you believe these morons believe this shit? We are obviously ruled by a 12-year-old autistic kid who keeps us in a snow globe. Fucking morons. Duh. <laughs> yeah. Open your eyes, sheeple. Then Napoleon officially signed a peace treaty with Austria, but the restrictions of the treaty were so harsh that it practically guaranteed that Austria would violate them and another war would be fought. 
that would never happen again. France would never, ever make that mistake again. I'll tell you what. I'm not going to, you know, some Germanic people, you know, they're, they're, we're, we'll be fair with our treaties and no one will ever violate them and cause a huge war. Never mm-hmm. again. Ever. Not just over a hundred years later. Mm-hmm. Never. Never. <laughs> Napoleon realized that he might have acted a little rashly, might have been a little too tough on the Austrians. Once a Prussian immigrant uh, attempted to murder the shit out of him. And his solution to this problem was very simple and very elegant. He was going to get somebody pregnant. Hell yeah. That's how I solve my problems. My man. <laughs> Wife's going to leave me. Oh, I'm just going to give her another baby. <laughs> Lock her in. Mm-hmm. Lock her in for another two to three. Baby it up again. <laughs> and then she's like, well, I can't leave him. No one's going to want a single mom of 12. Yeah, <sighs> that's right, baby. Till somebody runs those numbers. Girl, you know how much you can get from child support? <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> the jig is up. I am fucked. Time to fake my death again. Start a new history podcast. Again. <laughs> it was real hard pretending not to be Dan Carlin. And uh, you nailed it. I mean, you got it <laughs> locked in, but. Uh, I was going to use that joke, but I was like, eh, I don't know. Probably lawsuit material here. No, no, Like he'll ever hear I it. opted against it, but, but I like it. Mainly because I thought of it first. Just so you know, in every <laughs> okay, future successful joke you I'm, have. Hold on, I let me write down. Greg gets credit for that. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, you see, dear listener, Josephine had failed to provide Napoleon with an heir. He had knocked up two of his mistresses, but he couldn't claim bastard sons. <laughs> Wait, listener. Let's hear the attempt at this name. Go ahead, Chris. Uh, what? His brother, Louis, obviously. And his stepdaughter... <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. His stepdaughter, Hortense. Hortense. No, it's not. That's stupid. It's got an H. And O-R-T-E-N-S. Hortense. Ugh, fuck the French. They deserve everything that's ever happened to them, just for this bullshit language. Everything. Your main host of 100 Proof History does not agree with the sentiment. You got any fucking French listeners? Fuck those guys. They don't know nothing. Yes, we do. Oh, damn it. <laughs> well, his brother, Louis, and his stepdaughter, whatever Greg said, Hortense, they had a son that could have been an heir, but unfortunately Napoleon's nephew slash grandson, which is fucking weird, died at the age of four. In a couch cushion. Yeah. <laughs> he was a dog. <laughs> so on November 30th, 1809, Napoleon told Josephine he wanted to annul their marriage so he could find an heir. She begged him to reconsider, but he refused to change his mind. The separation was finalized on December 16th. Josephine, that poor lady, this poor woman, just tossed mm. out. Mm. Just get out. On the streets. Y- you barren, useless woman. Go live in your three palaces. And I'm, I'm going to pay off your two million franc debt. And I'm going to make sure you get three million francs a year for the rest of your life. But listen, baby, the gravy train's over. That's it. That's all you're getting from the old Napoles. Get those fake tits out of here. Yeah. <laughs> They're tits useless. <laughs> like a 
four. <laughs> you nice lady. Thank you for everything. I love you and I will mourn you when you die. <laughs> G- goodbye. Goodbye. Of course, that massive settlement she got all came straight out of the taxpayer's pocket. So Napoleon was pretty much okay with the whole idea behind it. Now, with Josephine out of the picture, it was time to trade her in for a younger model. You know what I mean? (laughs) Hey. Hey. Oh, piece of shit, 40-year-old. How you doing, high school girls? (laughs) Graduate yet? (laughs) Nope. All right. Well, call me in a few months. (laughs) You'll never have to work a day in your life. Trade in the old uh, Mercury Sable for a (laughs) Hyundai Sonata. The Hyundai Sonata has tits. Just, you know, <laughs> in case it wasn't clear. <laughs> I've been ruined by no kids either. You know what I'm saying? That interior is clean. Low mileage. Are you still talking about a woman? Yeah. You know it. <laughs> Up top. I'm beginning to think your wife left you. Is is that a more accurate... You know, it was it was mutual. All right. <laughs> God, I'm so lonely. <laughs> well, with Josephine out of the picture, Napoleon could marry the teenage daughter of Austrian Emperor Francis, or the teenage sister of Tsar Alexander of Russia, and strengthen his alliance with one or the other. He wound up choosing the sweet, clean. Perfectly legal, 18-year-old Marie Louisa of Austria to be his bride. On March 10th, 1810, the two were married by proxy in Vienna. It was a super romantic ceremony with Napoleon's chief of staff, Berti, and Archduke Charles standing in for the groom and bride, respectively. And then the other preachers up there, he's like, okay, guys, you know the drill. It's a proxy wedding. I'm just going to go through the motions. You're going to say... I do on their behalf, and, you know, you don't, we don't have to do the objection part, because nobody's here, and we don't have to, you know, make a big show of it. Uh, obviously, you don't have to kiss, and they're like, wait, 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 wait. But we can, right? We, we still can. <laughs> Let us make this authentic. <laughs> <laughs> In little known fact, before they met, Marie Louisa absolutely hated Napoleon. As a child, she had played with a ridiculous-looking Napoleon doll, that was designed to mock the emperor, and she even told her friends that she would rather die than marry him. But for at least the first couple years of their marriage, the two of them were pretty happy with each other. Yep. In fact, a year later, Marie would give Napoleon a son. Napoleon Part Two. Electric Waterloo. That's what they called him. And he would be given the title of King of Rome at birth. Uh, that's a That's a pretty good one. Mm-hmm. King of Rome. Well, I was Baby Dick Greg when I was born. <laughs> and, you know, of course, they eventually stopped calling me that around like mm-hmm. four years old. Mm-hmm. But then my dad, I I thought they were at the movie theater. My dad came back in the house when I was 19 and <laughs> saw me naked. And then that kind of reinvigorated the Baby Dick Greg moniker. So, mm. yeah. Yeah, that's, that's that's a tough break. But, you know. Just a few years later, they just started calling you useless tits, Greg. But, you know, it's, uh, you, I think that's an improvement. I think you moved up in the world. I think one just kind of outweighs the other. 
<laughs> Literally, yes. <laughs> However, looking back at it now, Napoleon didn't really do much to help his cause by picking Marie. First of all, he forgot that his father-in-law still fucking hated him, and the terms of their peace treaty were so harsh that the marriage wouldn't do much to change his mind. Well, second of all, Tsar Alexander was all like, Hey, what? My sister isn't hot enough for you? What's the matter, you? That's Russian. Thank you. <laughs> and he was also pissy. Napoleon wouldn't give him Poland, or at least swear to him that he wouldn't allow Poland to become an independent country again. And Tsar Alexander still fucking hated the continental system that Napoleon had forced upon him. He began mobilizing his army, and he too adopted the core system Napoleon had created. Throughout the year of 1811, Alexander further abandoned the continental system and began moving his men towards the Russian border. Napoleon's advisors told him that war with Russia was, yes, this is a really shitty idea. Let's not fucking do it. This never works out for anybody. Didn't work for Hitler, it's not going to work for you. He's like, whatever, man. I've beat the Russians before, and I've been proven right every time you guys say I'm wrong, and Hitler won't be born for like another 70 years, so I'm pretty sure I got this. You got it in the bag. You idiots. <laughs> and so he swelled the French army to over 400,000 troops. In the late spring of 1812, he began his march towards Russia with plans for a quick conquest. Would it work out? Who knows? We know. We fucking know. We, come on, guys. Come on. We know, you idiots. Yeah, come on, stupids. But you fucking morons won't find out more until after this break. Please come back, even though I just insulted you several times. We're very sorry for that. Especially if you projecting. have fake boobs. We, we got nothing against fake boobs. I don't, no. I don't, no. They're not useless. No. They look nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> All right, let's go to break. <laughs> oh, okay. That's all I <laughs> All right, we are back from break. Had a good time. Didn't leave the podcasting room because that couch it just smells awful. And my wife's like, "You got to do something about the couch." I'm like, you're, you, no, like you, you're trying to trick me because I can see you have plainly placed the divorce papers on top of the couch with a pin. You know, uh, I'm not falling for that shit. I'm not even going to touch those things. I've never been served those papers that may or may not be divorce papers. I don't know what those are. You can't. All you got to do is just hold up the hand to the side of your. <laughs> side of your face so you can't see it mm. but you know you kind of like peek through your fingers and you're like oh, fuck. nope nope didn't see it didn't, see, didn't, it, see, didn't it. see it she can't prove i saw it every time i see a stranger in public that looks at me or starts walking towards me i just scream my head off and run away because i'm sure it's a process server they're trying to give me the papers <laughs> they can't get me they can't get me <laughs> and they're all dressed as cops and they're like chasing after me you know they got their tasers out they're fake tasers so they can just you know mm -hmm. hand me those papers i know what they're fucking doing i know what they're doing and they're yeah. screaming sir sir please put your pants on i'm like you're not even a real cop you can't tell me to do that and uh you know he's like that bitch tell you to do this and like sir we don't know what you're talking about we just want to get you some help we just want to take you to the hospital I'm like yeah that's what they all say fucking idiots like you're not gonna get me 
Oh, boy. So anyway, yeah, that was my break. How was yours? Oh, you know, <laughs> the usual. <laughs> well, listener, I hope your break was good, and I hope you picked up a refreshing water with alcohol in it. A little, little bit of bubbly water, maybe. I don't know. A second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. Second half seltzer. And three, two, one. I got a little excited, a little premature. I was going to say, God damn it. Pre-popped a little. Dude, I must say, these seltzers that I've had the past couple weeks, simply divine. Yes? Yes, they're, uh, you know, I won't name them. We are yet to be sponsored. Right. But... They're the punch variety of a popular seltzer brand. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mm. Chef's fucking butthole kiss on these. They're really, really good. <laughs> okay. They really are. Okay. Well, good to hear it. Glad you're enjoying your beverages. Mine's just a glass of tap water with alka seltzer and some gin poured in it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's good. It's, it's great. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Well, Gregory, are you ready to tell these humans... The rest of this history-related story? Yes, Christopher, I cannot wait. Let's do it. Let you Napoleon- do it. Napoleon... You, you do the thing, and then I'm just going to make comments and interrupt you all the time. Napoleon Bonaparte's army crossed into Russia on June 24th, 1812. He planned on taking a few major cities, getting Alexander all pee-pants scared that Moscow was in danger, and then accepting Alexander's surrender. Unfortunately for him, the Russians had come up with a new strategy. Well, not new. It was an ancient strategy that a student of history such as Napoleon should have recognized as the same one that Rome used to defeat Hannibal, or that William Wallace used to slow down King Edward. That's right. The Russians were going full fucking scorched earth, baby. And longtime listeners of this podcast, smarter than Napoleon. Just didn't, you know, you could have won this this war against Russia. Mm-hmm. Just sit in your hover round, eating your chicken tendies. Just talk about how Napoleon screwed everything up. And then also talk about Hitler could have won if you had just been in charge. Gloriously. Whoa. <laughs> hover rounding the battlefield. But uh, you do raise a good point because... We have had episodes on Hannibal, William Wallace, and Hitler. We've basically covered all of human history. I don't know why we're still doing this shit, but whatever. I'm sure there's some fringe stories like this one out there we can pick up. Stories nobody's ever heard of, like Napoleon. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the Russians moved their armies back as Napoleon and his grandma. Grandma. Grand army. It's <laughs> a bunch of Teddy Grahams. <laughs> I thought it was a bunch of old ladies. We're gonna fucking kill you. <laughs> and then, like, pull out the milk cannons. Oh, no! <laughs> army gets soggy. It's defeated. Napoleon goes to Elba. <laughs> the end. All right. We'll see you uh, next week. <laughs> Napoleon and his grand army advanced. Small cavalry units stayed behind to harass the French and slow them down. And as they retreated, the Russians removed the crops, windmills, bridges, livestock, shelters, and grain. Basically, if it could help the French, the Russians either took it with them 
or they burned it to the ground. Yeah, they couldn't. Uh, they couldn't get the donkey to move. Like they're like, "Hey, somebody get that donkey. We got to get him out of here where the French can use him." Burn the donkey to the ground. <laughs> <laughs> And that is your Hunter Proof History Metal Moment of the Week. Late June was filled with violent storms that made moving the massive amounts of horses, supplies, and cannons a huge pain in the ass. Then in July, the rains disappeared, and it became balls hot outside. That's really hot, ladies, if you don't know. Uh, balls. Just... Yeah, yeah, you, you know, you got Celsius, you got mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. Balls. Yeah, balls. Balls. Nothing hotter than a pair of balls. <laughs> Brewing up a nice batch of ball soup. Mm. You know, it's real hot and humid. That's what happens. Yeah, it's disgusting. Oh, it's I can't even. Vinegary oh. and mm, moist. Oh, oh, I can't even focus on the podcast anymore. It's so gross. Like, where would I even? I don't know. I, well, I might have to like look at some pictures of them. You know, just to just to get that image. You know, of how gross they are and. Hold on, let me send you a picture of mine real quick. There, I sent them in the chat. Oh. What's wrong with those? Oh my god, what? Oh. Well, I got my fake tits installed on them. Oh. (laughs) History podcast. The supply train became so stretched out that a massive shortage spread throughout the army, forcing men to march alongside their exhausted and starving horses. The men got so hot that they ditched their jackets and coats. Because, hey, who needs those in the summer, right? Yeah. Eventually, it gets so hot, you just have to decide. Well, jacket off. <laughs> you don't want jacket on anymore. You want jacket off. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So yeah. collectively, kind of the whole core, just jack it off. Yeah, Boom. and like you said, they had to walk beside their horses, and uh, Napoleon, he was right there with them. You know, he he's one of the men, and he he was a great leader in that aspect. He'd always suffer with his men, so he's like, I'm going to do the same thing and walk beside my horse. So his buddy Jack helped him off the horse, and then somebody's like, Napoleon, are you going to help Jack off the horse? <laughs> Oh, I haven't told that joke since I was 12. Goodness. <laughs> it was about Napoleon, too. I was not a popular child. <laughs> <laughs> well, it, it, back to the uh, the jackets, the coats, mm-hmm. if you will. Honestly, it was irresponsible for them to have even packed them in the yeah. first place. Why do you even bring them on a summer trip? It's like my wife packing for a vacation. Jesus, lady. You don't have to bring the partition that separates the beds, and so I don't touch you accidentally. Like, okay, many, we're on vacation. How many dildos do you need? <laughs> right? It's an overnight trip. <laughs> it's an hour and a half away. We'll be back tomorrow. You know how many baggage tri- fees I'm going to pay for this? It's bullshit. <laughs> you didn't have to pack a small Latino man inside the suitcase. There will be men there, okay? <laughs> Jesus. And on that note, Greg, little known fact, over the summer of 1812, about 10,000 horses would die of dehydration and exhaustion. The Russian campaign itself would last 175 days, with an average of 1,000 horses dying every day. And that 
is a total of about 175,000 dead horses. I'm a genius. Math genius. Smart. Did you take one of those limitless pills? (laughs) I heard the calculation. Uh, you could hear that shit. It was audible. Oh, shit. I gotta call it's my doctor. Ears. <laughs> the march became even more hellish when typhus spread throughout the army. Hey, how you doing? Are you typhus? I'm, I'm typhus. Man, no. I spread throughout that army. Let me tell you. Those guys, they didn't see me coming. But they felt me. You know what? Uh, it's, Behead him! <laughs> The disease, which was spread by ticks, caused headaches, fevers, delirium, and carried a high mortality rate. In 1812, about 140,000 French troops would die of the disease. Hundreds would just flat out get tired of marching and would walk into the woods and kill themselves. Half a mile out, I'm done. Fuck this shit. The two armies didn't meet until Napoleon reached the city of Smolensk in mid-August. This battle was an easy win for the French because, after a few casualties, the Russians once again turned and retreated. Napoleon's buddy Jeannot, the one who had told him about Josephine's affair with Hippolyta Charel, had the opportunity to perform a pincer movement and capture the Russians, but he was too slow, much to the chagrin of Napoleon. The Russian strategy was working. Napoleon was losing men left and right, his supply lines were overextended, and he still hadn't scored a major victory against the Russians. Still, the people of Russia were tired of retreating, so the Russian general, Barclay, was fired and replaced. I don't know why I said and replaced like that. Like, he would just be fired, and they're like, nope, position vacant. (laughs) Every man for themselves, go! (laughs) We're trying a new thing, you know, it's... Freewheeling, freelance army. Just, Just have fun. Just go out there and have fun, guys. You know, when you have a real strict real strict coach and your team's not doing so well, you fire the strict coach, you bring in the guy who just wants to treat everybody nice, be their best friend, just mix it up. That's what they're going for. Like, hey, okay. you know what? War? This is a game, fellas. It's just a game. We're just going to go out there and have a good time. You know? Go home to our families. I mean, most of you won't, but yeah, hey, we'll, we'll see. <laughs> <laughs> well, Barclay's replacement, Mikhail Kutuzov, decided it was time to take a stand. History point here, Greg. I don't understand this. This happens all the time where the winning strategy is to retreat and go scorched earth. You know, you're falling back. The enemy's supply lines are getting extended. They're just dying and abandoning the fight, basically. And everybody fucking hates it. And they get you fired. And you're like, yeah, this P word. He wouldn't go there and fight anybody. He wouldn't do it, man. He just was, you know, too scared to fight. So he kept running, and like, but it's it's working, it's it's winning. You know, it's, it happened to uh, the guys who fought Hannibal in Rome. It happened to uh, Sam Houston. Like they hated Sam Houston because he retreated from the Mexicans so hard. Uh, I just I've never understood this mindset. I guess just a macho thing, and I'm I'm definitely not macho. Yeah, nobody wants to retreat. Yeah. I, don't I feel love like it. That's hard to understand. It's my my favorite, my favorite <laughs> tactic. I walked in on my wife with another man once. I ran so fast out of that fucking bedroom; <laughs> they never knew I was there. <laughs> yeah, I got I got away. Jokes I, on them. Yeah, 
I lived to fight another day. I was there. They don't know that I know. <laughs> <laughs> Idiots. Yeah. It's really, you know, to be fair, it's kind of a, a, a bad trait for me to have in my job. I'm a you know, conflict resolution specialist for a big corporation. But as soon as it starts getting heated, I just run screaming out of the room, you know. But uh, I'm working on it. I've I've never lost a conflict. I'll tell you that. Never won, but never lost. <laughs> yeah, you know. I also have been fired and replaced by a strong Russian man. But whatever, you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, we're not talking about your home life. We're we're talking about your uh, work. Oh, yeah, yeah. Fair enough. Fair that enough. job's still going strong. <laughs> yeah. On September 7th, the two armies would meet 65 miles west of Moscow in a little village named Borodino. This battle would be the bloodiest day in the history of warfare up until the Battle of the Marne in 1914. Episode 67. Both sides would lose about 40,000 soldiers in the single day of fighting before Kutuzov fled in the middle of the night. The Russians continued to flee eastward, and on September 15th, Napoleon entered the mostly abandoned city of Moscow. By this time, his army was down to just around 100,000 men, a quarter of what he had started the campaign with. The remaining populace of Moscow set the city on fire. The French shot and killed over 400 arsonists, but still over 6,500 buildings burned to the ground. With almost no supplies left and his manpower rapidly dwindling, Napoleon realized that he could not survive the winter in Russia. On October 18th, he ordered the army to retreat. For some reason, he chose to go a route that led him further north, maybe not realizing that in the northern hemisphere, that means colder temperatures. The march was a frozen hell. Men swarmed dead horses, hoping to get to eat some of their flesh. Their fingers, noses, ears, and dicks all froze and fell off. The horses? Or the... The mint. Uh, the yes. <laughs> Both. Just a trail of horse dicks. Like someone gets lost in the snow. They're like, I don't know how to get back home. Oh, well, well, it's like a very disgusting version of Hansel and Gretel. <laughs> <laughs> Except the witch eats your asshole. <laughs> yeah. What? Why? Ah, you know, I don't know. It's a dumb podcast. That's why. Because I want to, you son of a bitch. Oh, fucking ham bone. Get out of here. They went snowblind. They refused to share food or fire without being paid, and when their friends lay dying in the snow, they'd strip them naked and take their clothes. You would strip do that to me as soon as like the first snowflake fell. Like, oh, this fucker's dead. Like, no, I'm, I'm fine, man. I'm, I got like not <laughs> go to sleep. Go to sleep. Sleep forever. <laughs> I'm strangling you. Like, <laughs> Shut up, Chris. Your tits look nice. Your tits look nice. <laughs> Flattery will get you nowhere. <laughs> it would reach temperatures of negative 105 degrees Fahrenheit, and his soldiers would set houses on fire just for the temporary warmth. When his army arrived back in Paris in mid-December, it had lost all of its cavalry and artillery and had been reduced to just 25,000 men, only 10,000 of which were actually capable of fighting. Sensing blood in the water, Austria and Prussia signed a treaty with the Russians and began to mobilize their forces against the French. 
Throughout early 1813, Napoleon slowly rebuilt his army and actually scored a victory against the Austrians in Dresden in early May, but it was costly and he had to sign an armistice. The Russians, P-Russians, and Austrians told him he had to give up all of his conquered lands, which of course he refused, and so they all went back to war in August. The armies met at Leipzig in October. The battle lasted three days, but Napoleon was greatly outnumbered and spread far too thin. He had the opportunity to slip away after the first day and throughout the second day, but he decided to hang out and see how it went. And it went fucking terribly. (laughs) He was routed and forced to retreat. And the retreat was so disorderly that he left 20,000 men behind to get captured or killed. It was, statistically speaking, the worst defeat Napoleon ever suffered. That's my strategy, too. You know, it's going really bad, but I think we're going to turn it around. What What are you basing that on? Oh, I don't know. Um, the do theory. I'm due to turn it around. It's it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen for me, you know? A little positive regression here, guys. Yeah, come on. Gut feeling. I've only lost $40,000 to this craps table. My last $5, I'm going to bring it all back. Just bring it all back. And I ordered a drink, and there's no way I'm going to lose this $5 and have to drink this this free drink and not tip the waitress and cry my eyes out at the craps table. Um, not That's not going to happen to me. That's, you know, <laughs> you know uh, I'm a good guy. Good things happen to me. You know, good, good things happen to good people. Right? Right? He loses it. She delivers the drink. He's like, I'm sorry, man. I can't tip. You've got a really nice set of boobs. Here, look at mine. That'll be your tip. And he just juggles them back and forth. Pit boss comes over. All right, you got you to gotta go. You got to go. Dragging Napoleon out by his collar. Tits flailing everywhere. Hambone's like, I told you so. <laughs> I knew I shouldn't have rolled dice with that hand. I knew it. <laughs> hey, folks, worst luck ever. Hambone just kept leaning over to the dealers like, I'll blow on something else for some good luck. You're like, God damn it, Hambone. <laughs> One more time and we're going to throw you out of here. Joke's on you. I'm fucking broke anyway. I'm men betting this son of a bitch. <laughs> Sir, you need to leave the table. No, no, no. That's not me. That's not me. <laughs> that is a disembodied hand. He travels through space-time. I, look, I know how ridiculous this sounds. That's fucking not me. All right. That's yeah. a, look at the googly eyes. You think I put those on there? <laughs> yes, sir. Fine. You know, I'm leaving anyway. <laughs> you think I like jerking off strangers in the bathroom while... This disembodied hand goes, oh, yeah, sounds like his mouth is full. It's, it's weird. I hate it. I did not choose this life. This life chose me. I'm a happily married man. <laughs> yeah. I do not like penises in my hand. <laughs> Hambone does. <laughs> yes. can listen to Dahmer episode if you guys want to know what the fuck we're talking about <laughs> What <there>. just happened? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry for those of you that don't. Well, Greg, getting back to the story, there is a little-known fact here that uh, as the French were retreating across the bridge, the Austrians blew it up, instantly killing hundreds of men and horses. The citizens of Leipzig said it was as if human and animal body parts were raining from the sky. Five months later, in March of 1814, after a series of defeats, Napoleon became the first French monarch to lose possession of Paris. Unlike the people of Moscow, 
who had burned down their own city, the people of Paris welcomed the Allied forces with cheers for Tsar Alexander. Napoleon wasn't in the city, but he was outside of it planning an attack when one of his generals defected with the majority of his fighting force. Napoleon had no choice but to surrender and agreed to abdicate his throne as Emperor of France. He attempted suicide on April 12, 1814, by eating some poison that he carried with him for years and years, uh, but just got really, really fucking sick and basically was rescued, possibly by having fireplace ashes shoved down his throat. Maybe. Maybe. Who knows? It's got charcoal in it. It's kind of the same thing. And so, on April 20th, 420 blows it! He was sent to the island of... I'm surprised you related it to that, because every time I mention 420, you're like, oh yeah, Hitler's birthday. Yes, Greg, Hitler's birthday. That's not true. (laughs) I I know. I I celebrate Columbine. (laughs) (laughs) Well, on 420, he was sent to the island of Elba to live in exile for the rest of his life. Sort of. But... Okay, not really. (laughs) He arrived on May 3rd and adjusted to his new life. His mom and sister came to stay with him, unfortunately bringing with them the news that Josephine had died of pneumonia on May 29th. Mm. Pour one out for old Josephine. Can I can I say something right here? Can I can I say something? Something that irritates me. Before I studied the life of Napoleon, read the book and all that, Josephine and Napoleon was made out to be this great love story. Like this they loved each other so much and they were inseparable and all this. And then you read it and it's basically like the story of an ultimate failed marriage where they just put up with each other for a while, and then get divorced and you know, he cheats on her after she cheats on him and but they loved each other so much, you know. She cried when he wanted a divorce. I'm like, okay, all right. That doesn't mean anything. They're just a dysfunctional couple. And it bothers me that they get credit for being good. And people look at my marriage and they can see it's falling apart. And they don't do that. <laughs> they can't say, oh, he loves her so much. No, fuck that guy. Ugh. Nobody's optioning the rights of my fucking divorce decree. This is bullshit. <laughs> right? Well, Napoleon's new wife, Marie Louisa, instantly began shacking up with an Austrian general and would eventually leave Napoleon for him. Oh. Mm. Once and they loved each other so much. <laughs> it was a great love story. Napoleon would spend less than a year on Elba. The French government had been taken over by the royalist Bourbons, and they were fucking up the economy, the military, and practically everything else. And so, Napoleon gathered like, I don't know, a thousand or so dudes, hopped on a ship, and booked it out of Elba on February 26, 1815. And on this point, it's a good thing that Edmond Dantes was there to aid in his uh, escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Count of Monte Cristo by Alexandre Dumas. Oh, I, I love his sandwich. It's a good sandwich. You, also you a movie think, for the uh, plebs out there. Like you think these idiots have ever read that book? I haven't read well, that book. It's a movie, got, also. <laughs> yeah, it was, a, it was a good movie. There was somebody famous in that movie. That's the most generic fucking statement I could make. 
Jesus Christ. Somebody famous in that movie. There was somebody right, Chris famous. Chris is in timeout. <laughs> That's good podcasting. That's good. You guys hear how he suddenly got muted? It's called timeout. <laughs> he made it to France and instantly gained a following of loyal soldiers. By the time he arrived in Paris on March 20th, he was being hailed as a returning hero and was instantly placed back in power. And this is kind of like, of course, there's a lot of nuance to this story. And this is partly because people realized that Louis XVIII really signaled back to how it was before, before the French Revolution. Although Napoleon was an emperor, he did a lot of good things for the French people. Yeah. A lot of socially progressive things that helped out the middle and lower classes and things became very stagnant and just going right back to normal under Louis. That said, when he came back, he completely dissolved the current parliament and created a new representation and it was, you know, 600 and something people strong and there were only about 80 Bonapartists in that. Yeah. The rest were uh, there was like 400 and something liberals, 80 something republicans and then the rest were Bonapartists, and there was only like 80 of them. So it wasn't like everybody was just enthralled with this dude, but they didn't like the direction things were regressing to. Right. You know, it's like Louis is the bad guy wrestler. Nobody wants to win. He's just like smashing some legend over the face with a chair. <laughs> and suddenly you hear, what is that? By God, that's Napoleon's music. From the top rope, the elbow drop. Oh my god, that man had a family. And his dad got his head cut off. Yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. I, I don't think Louis was doing any of that, though. He had, like, really bad gout. <laughs> Even his return to Paris was delayed by weeks yeah, because his like, gout was so bad. Like, hey, man, I know that you haven't been in rule for, like, a quarter of a century, but, uh... We're going to put you back in fucking power, dude. You're going to be the monarch again. He's like, fuck yeah. Uh, don't don't touch me, though. <laughs> Gout's really flared up. It's you bad. Know, it's bad. I'm supposed to be the one that brings everybody down from the fun illusion by talking about how terrible things actually are. You're like, oh, yeah, no, he didn't actually wrestle anybody. He had gout. He was in pain like his entire life, you know? <laughs> uh, and they're all dead now. So. Yeah, yeah. So that, too. And everyone they ever loved is dead. And everyone who loved them back and everyone who left them for another man, they're all dead. There's rotting in the ground, you know, just dust in the wind. That's all we are, Greg. Just temporary specks in a meaningless void, you know? Well, um, thanks for listening to the podcast, I guess. Uh, you want to finish it? I don't care anymore. Let's just I'm gonna go cry in my corner. I mean, it really puts it into perspective. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What are we doing here? <laughs> like, I don't know. I feel like maybe we're just wasting our time. And mm-hmm. at the end of the day, why waste your time? <laughs> you son of a bitch. <laughs> well, well. It took a couple of months before the Allied forces of Russia, P-Russia, 
Austria, and England declared war on Napoleon and France. They all signed a treaty that said they wouldn't stop fighting until Napoleon was once again dethroned. In the meantime, Napoleon had changed the rules of the army to include every able man between the ages of 20 and 60 and had once again swelled the size of his military forces. He didn't wait for the fight to come to him. He decided to launch into Belgium and attack the English there, believing that victory over the Brits would lead to instant negotiations. On June 16th, the French army divided into three corps. One corps, led by General Grouchy, met the Prussians at the Belgian city of Ligny and wiped the floor with them. Unfortunately, he didn't notice they retreated overnight, and he had no clue where the fuck they were on the morning of the 17th. That same day, General Ney had met the British force led by Lord Wellington at the nearby forest known as Quatre Bras. General Ney, he had a real long face. Always got asked about it when he walked into bars. Get it, guys? It's a horsey joke. Get it. Keeping the mood light, man. Keeping the mood light. (laughs) (laughs) Well, General Ney also forced a retreat, but his men were too tired to pursue Wellington, and for some reason Napoleon took his sweet-ass time getting to the fight, so the English were able to retreat back to a reinforced position just south of Waterloo. Yeah, and one of Napoleon's, like, tenets of warfare, like, he came up with several rules for war, and one of them was, well, actually, he violates two here, but act swiftly, and he just took his time, and then the other one was, don't let the enemy make decisions for you, and he just, when they retreated, and they set up in their reinforced position outside of Waterloo, they were deciding where the fight was going to happen, and so, kind of dropped the old ball here. It's a good point. The next morning, June 18th, 1815, Napoleon advanced to Waterloo and prepared for an attack. Had he attacked at first dawn, he would have had a numerical advantage and would have possibly defeated Lord Wellington. But again, he sat around with his thumb up his butt and waited till 11 a.m. This delay allowed the Prussian forces that Grouchy had lost track of to swing in from the west and overwhelm the French army. By 7 p.m., the battle was lost and Napoleon was forced to flee. He booked it back to Paris, where he hoped to spin the story before the legislature found out, but it was too late. Yep, just like all those Snapchats you think will get deleted before your wife picks up your phone. Like, you're like, oh shit, oh shit, she catches you. You're like, what, what are you doing? What's that? What do you got on your phone there? It's for you. Uh, yeah, this is, this is all for you, baby. All for you. <laughs> I was trying to find your new boyfriends. They're not boyfriends for me. Why Why are you shirtless in that picture, but your hand has lipstick and googly eyes on it? What? What's happening here? It's a long story, and you're not going to believe me, but basically my hand has been possessed by a very sexually active uh, ghost hand that can travel through time and space and just appear random. All right, just get the fuck out. Just get out. Just... <laughs> Thanks for telling her the truth. Shut the fuck up, Hambone. I can handle this. <laughs> I told you nobody fucking believe you. Goddamn moron. She's just dialing 911 on the phone as you're talking. <laughs> <laughs> Should have kept me in your pocket. I was happy there anyway. You cut that little hole just for me. Backing up. It's the wall and it scares her. It startles her. And she's hit the wall and like, oh, I'm so scared. Grabs the big knife from the butcher's block and is just holding it out in front of her. Uh, well, Napoleon asked to be allowed to leave France for America, but everyone knew that was dumb because the British blockade 
would just intercept his ship. And so, on July 15, 1815, Napoleon surrendered himself to the English. Napoleon saw France, his wife, and his son for the last time on July 23rd. Yeah, he was really sad about one of those three things. Well, you know, definitely wasn't, you know, the anchors that were weighing him down. His wife and his kids. I got no strings <laughs> to hold me down. <laughs> no. He was placed upon a ship and exiled to the British-controlled island of St. Helena, which sits some 4,400 miles away between Africa and South America. He would spend the rest of his life on that island, living at a residence that was somewhat ironically named Longwood, <laughs> because he had a he had a tiny peepee. <laughs> he supposedly lived a modest life in which he completed his memoirs and a biography of Julius Caesar. He was mostly happy, except when dealing with his neighbor and overseer, British General Hudson Lowe. Yeah, just to get that quickly, I, I know we're getting up against it, but... This was hilarious to me. This is one of my f- favorite parts of the book because he's basically just a retired old man at this point. I mean, he's not that old, but he's retired and he's ha- feuding with his neighbor who is this British general who hates him, just fucking hates him. So, like, at one point, one of the people on the island, they get, like, this giant boa constrictor snake and it can eat, like, a cat hole and Napoleon's, like, all jazzed. He wants to go see it. And the British guy's like, no, you can't fucking go. And he's just like, come on, man. What? I'm on the it's island. It's on the island. Come on. And like they fought so much that Napoleon like dug trenches where he could plant his garden so that his neighbor couldn't see him in the backyard while he's back over there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like it would just make a great sitcom. Like that that should have been like you'd have to explain the whole setup, but once you got there, I think it'd be really funny. <laughs> right. By 1818, Napoleon realized that something was wrong with him when he began to experience severe stomach issues. Two years later, he would be officially diagnosed with stomach cancer. He died on May 5, 1821. His last words were, France, army, head of the army, Josephine. Yeah. I'm a cuck. They loved each other so much. That was his last words. And what really happened, the tunnel of light opened up and you got the gates swinging open the angels and saint michael is just giving it to josephine he's like that <laughs> not again not again and he's got some tan genitals <laughs> in the end napoleon was a great general who changed the face of warfare forever and won far more battles than he lost he spent his entire career fighting other countries who feared his ambition and who had to resort to using his own advanced tactics against him. The moral of this story is obvious. The harder you try to accomplish something, the more people will turn against you. So with that said, don't try and do anything unless you want to die alone on an island a thousand miles away from your home. End of story. Woo! We did it! Told that story... Like four and a half hours of Napoleon talk for you. No one else will do that for you. No one will just give it to you for free. Just let you have such an interesting story for free. Ugh, what are we doing with our lives? You guys are lucky. Yeah. You're lucky we have low self-esteem. And we just settle, okay? Settle for you. 
And we're doing it the whole time with big old swinging fucking fake knockers. Oh, yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. But you got to pay a little extra to see those. But, you know, you can't give away the whole cow for free, you know? You gotta, right. You gotta keep a little. Not that this cow is producing milk, but <laughs> right. it still ain't free. <laughs> All right. We got a little bit more to go. As everyone is well aware, it is time for Fast Facts. Fast fact number one. The guerrilla war in Spain was super ugly, as they often are. Spanish insurrectionists that were captured had their genitals mutilated, they were blinded, castrated, crucified, sawed in half, decapitated, buried alive, and skinned alive. Surprisingly, the French failed to win the hearts and minds of the people of Spain. Fast fact number two. None of Napoleon's actual sons would go on to rule France. He had divorced Josephine because she couldn't produce an heir, but her grandson became emperor of France and her direct descendants would go on to rule Belgium, Denmark, Sweden, Norway, and Luxembourg. Isn't it ironic? Don't you think? Fast fact number three. On his retreat from Russia, Napoleon's rear guard was commanded by General Ney. Of the 40,000 troops he had command of when he crossed into Russia, Ney returned with only 800. He would later say, Those who have returned have their balls attached with iron wire. Fast fact number four. Several conspiracy theories exist surrounding the death of Napoleon, with the main one saying he was poisoned with arsenic. This comes from the fact that his hair contained high levels of the poison, but really, it wasn't out of line with other figures from that era. Also, it completely ignores the autopsy, which revealed a stomach that was riddled with cancerous growths. Alright, thank you guys for listening. Hope you enjoyed it. Uh, moving back to World War I next week, going back to that series, so get excited for that. In the meantime, you can find us on social media at 100proofhistory, mostly on the Instagram. Uh, you can check us out on our website, 100proofhistory.com, and there you can find information on our Patreon, which for just $3 a month, you get access to old episodes, miniature episodes, and early access to our new releases. I'll also send you a penis pic upon request. Not his, just one he has in his collection. No, I mean, just... It's a penis pick. I didn't say it was <laughs> Fair enough. Well, they might want to see those balls with tits on them. They might be real excited <laughs> to see that. For our esteemed producer, Wolf Dick, our intro guy, Dan, and the little rascal we all love and know, Hambone, I am your co-host, Christopher. And I am your main host, Gregory. And Gregory, what else? All we are is just more tits on some balls. <laughs> All right, goodbye. Goodbye. Give me some God. God. Oh, give me God. Give me that God dick. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Give me that goddamn big old dick. <laughs> the very accepting church.
Gregory, are you ready to tell the humans the rest of this history-related story? You already said that? I know, I was just setting it up for you again. Just Fuck you! <laughs> said it yes or a no? I don't understand. Oh, man, bubbly getting to me. <clears throat> what am I, Chris? Mm-hmm. No. The rest <laughs> <laughs>